You're listening to The Firsts, The Forerunners of Islam, the series that visits those distinguished as leaders of humanity, not only in history, but in the ranks of the next world. Dive into the stories of the giants who were the first of their kind as they rose to the occasion and became preserved inspirations for generations to come. With your host, Sheikh Dr. Omar Suleiman, let's meet the firsts. And had hope in the children of the mushrikeen, had hope in the children of the disbelievers and their families and how they were able to shine. Imagine being the children of the chief hypocrites. The chief hypocrite. Who was the chief hypocrite in Medina? Abdullah ibn Ubay ibn Salul. The chief hypocrite. There was Abu Jahl in Mecca. There's Abdullah ibn Ubay ibn Salul, the chief hypocrite in Medina. A significant part of the Qur'an is dedicated to the evil and the corruption of this man. Right? And what he was able to stir. In Uhud, this was the man who managed to get people to flee from the Prophet That managed to infiltrate in the time of Khandaq. That managed to infiltrate with the slander of Aisha radiallahu anha. I mean, he's behind horrible thing after horrible thing after horrible thing after horrible thing. SubhanAllah, one of the greatest of the Ansar is his son, is actually his son. And his son, his name was Al-Habbab. So Abdullah's Ibn Ubay bin Salul's nickname was Abul Habbab. And the Prophet Sallallahu changed his name to Abdullah. So his son's name is Abdullah Ibn Abdullah Ibn Ubay bin Salul. So Abdullah, the son of the very famous Abdullah Ibn Ubay bin Salul. Abdullah radiallahu ta'ala anhu, the son of the chief of the hypocrites, uh, was one of those who immediately embraced Islam, sincerely, dedicated himself to the Prophet ﷺ. He attended all the battles with the Prophet ﷺ, so he's a Badri companion as well. Remember, you know, not all of the Ansar got to attend Badr. That's still a small select group of people. He's one of those who went out with the Prophet ﷺ on the day of Badr. He's one of those that did not flee from the Prophet ﷺ in Uhud. He attended in Khandaq. He went out in Bay'at al-Ridwan, he took the pledge with the Prophet ﷺ under the tree in Hudaybiyah. He was one of those who was able to read and write. So his father, I mean, this is the royal family of Medina essentially, right? So he was being groomed to be the prince of Medina, you know, the prince of Yathrib. His father was gonna be the king, he was gonna be the successor to the throne. So he was literate. Instead, he becomes one of the scribes of the Prophet ﷺ. And some of the uh, books of Siyar say that he was one of those who wrote the Qur'an. Imagine the son of the chief hypocrite and he's writing some of the Qur'an and some of the Qur'an is about how evil his father is and the plots and plans of his father. And Aisha radiallahu ta'ala anha, she specifically narrates that in Uhud, he lost part of his nose and he lost two of his teeth fighting alongside the Prophet And the Prophet allowed for them to replace the part of his nose that was gone with gold, with, with a golden, uh, with, with gold, because that was the way that they'd piece it together, whatever treatment was used, and his two teeth with gold as well. So the per- permissibility of using gold for the sake of rectif- rectifying something is actually taken from his story, radiallahu ta'ala anhu. So he had gold on his nose and he had gold in his teeth, uh, radiallahu ta'ala anhu, because of his supporting the Prophet Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam. And as he's with the Prophet Sallallahu through thick and thin, and Rasulullah Sallallahu would even appoint him as an Amir in battle, he'd appoint him as a commander in battle. 
His father is trying to do everything he possibly can to get the Prophet's license killed. Think about the paradox here, subhanAllah. Your dad is the worst human being in Medina. And you love the Prophet the way you love the Prophet and you're essentially becoming one of those people who's proven time and time again that you're going to be there by the side of the Prophet Your father is the one who gets people to flee the Prophet And you're one of those who stays next to the Prophet So Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala revealed an ayah about his father. They say that if we go back to Medina, we're going to replace the humiliated one with the honored one. Basically, Allah quoting when Abdullah ibn Ubay ibn Sarul tried to make his move in Ban al-Mustalaq and he said, we're going to go back to Medina and I, the honored one, will remove the humiliated one, the Prophet This is treason of the highest order, right? So Abdullah ibn Ubay bin Salul was sneaky about his hypocrisy until he thought he had a, an opening where he could overthrow the Prophet It's a very interesting conversation that, ha- that happens here. The expectation is he's been caught, he's going to be executed, which is the norm of any society. Literally, the man is guilty of treason. He explicitly said, I'm going to remove the Prophet and overthrow him, and he's been caught. Listen to what Abdullah says to the Prophet Abdullah ibn Abdullah ibn ibn Salam. He says, Ya Rasulullah, إِنَّهُ بَلَغَنِي أَنَّكَ تُرِيدُ قَتْلَ Abdullah ibn Ubay ibn Salud. He said, O oh, Messenger of Allah, it has reached me that you're probably going to execute. He didn't say my father. He said, Abdullah ibn Ubay ibn Salud. He said, فَإِن كُنْتَ لَا بُدَّ فَاعِلًا Ya Rasulullah, if you're really going to do that, فَمُرْنِي bihi, then give me the order to do that. Now some of you might think to yourselves like, wait a minute, is this like anger? Is this what the Prophet ﷺ was motivating in this person? Like he wants to be the one to, to have the pleasure of killing his father? No, he says, فَوَاللَّهِ لَقَدْ عَلِمَتِ الْخَزْرَجْ مَا كَانَ لَهَا مِنْ رَجُلٍ أَبَرَّ بِوَالِدِهِ مِنِّي Said Khazraj knows that there is no son that loves his father more than I love my father. So I actually was always obedient to my father, always used to love my father, always treated my father well. He says, He said, so if you order someone else to execute my father, then I'm going to have to live with the one who murdered my father. And I don't know if I'm going to be able to look at the person who carried out that execution. I don't know if I'll be able to forgive that person. I don't know how merciful he's gonna be. I don't know, I mean, there are various means, obviously, of carrying out a death penalty, right? But this man has done something that is definitely uh, guilty of the death penalty. So he said, I don't wanna find myself trying to kill that man, and then I'd kill a mu'min, I'd kill a believer, because because jahiliya overtook me, because the ignorance overtook me, and I thought I was defending the honor of my father. So Ya Rasulullah, if you have to, order the execution of my father, then order me to do it. What did the Prophet say? No, no. We're going to treat him with the best of manners. We're going to accompany him with the best of character so long as he's amongst us. And he said, Told him as a son, treat him well. 
No, you know what? That's still your father. I didn't come here to turn you against your dad. That's still your father. And subhanAllah, when Abdullah ibn Ubay bin Salul comes back to uh, Medina, because remember, he said that I'm going to replace, I'm going to overthrow uh, the Prophet Wasallam, the humiliated one, and replace him with the honorable one being myself. The man who he saw standing at the gates of Medina was his own son. And he said, Ya Rasulullah, Anta al-Aziz wa huwa al O Messenger of Allah, you're the honored one and he's the humiliated one. And he didn't want to let his own father come back to Medina because of what he said about the Prophet With all that being said, and this shows you the human complications. I said the story is full of twists and turns. When Abdullah bin Ubay bin Salul died, his son Abdullah was devastated. And he came to the Prophet and he said, Ya Rasulullah, can I have your shirt so I can wrap him in it when we bury him? Can I use your shirt as his kafan? This is the man who slandered the Prophet wife, who tried to kill him on multiple occasions, who destabilized his society from the start of this building of the city of Medina. And the Prophet takes off his shirt and he gives it to him and he says, wrap him in my shirt. And then he says, Ya Rasulullah, can you come and lead his janazah and seek forgiveness for him? And did the Prophet do it? He did. He went out. And it was Umar ibn Khattab who was trying to stop the Prophet like, Ya Rasulullah, this man, this man, like you're going to pray on him, you're going to seek forgiveness from, for him. And that's when Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala revealed that even if you were to seek forgiveness for him 70 times, Allah would not forgive him. Right? Because the man was never a believer, but instead an opponent of the Prophet that was infiltrating and destabilizing from within. So subhanAllah, this is the ihsan the Prophet showed to this man, despite what he did to him alayhi salatu This podcast was brought to you by Yaqeen Institute for Islamic Research, dismantling doubts and nurturing conviction, one truth at a time. Tune in every week for the next episode and don't forget to subscribe to this channel and share with friends. Until next time, this has been The Firsts, The Forerunners of Islam.